It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm here with Nadja Parker, who is one of our content producers here at the AJC. Welcome, Nadja. Hi, Shane. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So you often do um, tend to do things that, that involve celebrities. That's uh, one of your specialties. This is true. And uh, yeah, <laughs> viral trending content, things like that, that involve, you know, well-known folks. Exactly. And uh, so for this podcast, you actually talk to some well-known folks, right? Yes, I'm bringing you more well-known folks. <laughs> <laughs> this time around, we have David and Tamala Mann. They are a popular married couple in the entertainment industry. They're known for singing, acting, plays, and now they're new authors. Ah, okay. So that's what brought them to you, I guess. They've exactly. got a, a new book. They have a new book out. This is their first joint project together. Right. They have a book called Us Against the World. It's a memoir that documents their journey through married life, and they're also providing a lot of tips for people who are married or right. looking to get into relationships. And they also have an album of the same title that also documents their love story. Oh, okay. So so there's sort of a soundtrack to the book. Absolutely. Oh, kinda, a soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love about the soundtrack is that they have both of their perspectives on the songs. Yeah. So many of the tracks, they're singing together. But there are also a few where Tamala is only singing and where David is only singing. Huh. So you get the whole scope of the story. Oh, that sounds very fascinating. Yeah. 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 And Tamala Mann and her husband David, they're known for gospel. Right. But they're bringing us a lot of R&B and soul with this one. Ah, okay. So they're branching out a little more. Absolutely. Well, it's not like they don't have a huge resume of lots of different things. Exactly. I mean, but probably a lot of people would know them from their work with Tyler Perry. Exactly. So they did a lot of his theater plays when yeah. Medea was really, really popular earlier in the 2000s, as well as uh, Meet the Browns was a really popular show that right. David, David Mann and Tamla both starred in. And what's interesting is David Mann played Tamla Mann's father (laughs) (laughs) on the show yeah so now we get to see them play out their real lives through their book and through their music yeah that's that's really interesting and so so this book is it's like about their marriage and all and it, it, it hasn't always been an easy road for them right not an easy road at all yeah. and they really are vulnerable and very transparent in the book i don't want to give too much away right. but you know they had a, cu- a really big hiccup in their relationship five years into the marriage yeah that could have broken some couples but they were able 
to keep it moving. And now they're celebrating 30 years of marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that could certainly be helpful to other people who are uh, experiencing, experiencing the same sort of thing or, you know, something something entirely different that, that, you know, throws up a roadblock in a relationship. Exactly. And that's the reason they wanted to create this book and create this album, just to give couples hope that you can endure roadblocks. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the road. Right. They're giving you specific tools on how to overcome those obstacles. Right. Well, that's cool. So, um, so are they are they doing anything else? I mean, they were here on a book tour, right? They were here on the book tour, and they also had a tour, a concert tour as well, and that ended earlier in November. Right. Okay. So, so they're unfortunately you can't go and see them right not, now. Not right now, but you can't pick up that book and you can't pick up that album. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's plenty of plenty of other options that that you can uh, actually do. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure that they'll be performing again in the in the near future. They They've done that many times before and probably will again. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Well, this is cool. So so um, what else? Was there anything else in particular that uh, you wanted to mention about this before we uh, get into the actual story? I think we should just jump right into it. All okay. the juices in the interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't want to give too much away. Let them tell the story. Exactly. They do a much better job than I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for bringing this to us. We appreciate it. No problem at all. My pleasure. And uh, here is uh, Naja Parker's interview with David and Tamla Mann. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Nigel Parker. I am a content producer with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Today, we have very special guests in the office. We are joined by David and Tamala Mann. They are actors, singers, authors with multiple... Husband, wife, grandmama, <laughs> granddad. All of that. <laughs> with multiple awards under their belt, and they've come to see about us today. Yes. Come to hang out. We appreciate it. How are y'all feeling today? We're good. We're good to good. be here. Thank yeah. you for having us. Of course. How's the day been? Been hectic, good. but it's all good. It's been long. It. it beats the alternative, sitting just doing nothing. That's right. So. That's, That's true. a good point. That's true. Well, I know y'all have been in the entertainment industry for decades, and you've been married for 30 years. Yes. And finally, you're coming together for a couple of joint projects. Yes. You got the album, Us Against the World, and the memoir, Us Against the World. Why is now the best time to put these projects out? Well, actually, it wasn't. I won't, I'll say it's a good time, I think, to encourage families because it's a lot of, not that families haven't been hurting, but to just give our story. We're just telling our story of 30 years of staying together and loving each other through the storm and the rains because we had some ups and downs. So that, I think, really is to help. It's all about bringing help and inspiration. And we've t we just wanted to take people on that journey with us of 30 years. And we just thought our 30th anniversary would be the best time. Because what we decided to do is celebrate the whole year. Yeah. And so what better way to celebrate the whole year than with an album, with the book, mm -hmm. and with the tour. And so it just made it work 30 years. I like that. I'm going to have to take a tip right there. You know, I'm not married yet. Oh, but when the time comes, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna I'm going to tour and sing and do all of that. And you, you can do it. Make it all count. 
Now talk to me about your process. Like when did you start the process of writing the memoir and creating the album and how long did it take you? We started writing 30 years ago. <laughs> no. It, it, we actually didn't start a job. But we've, through the years, we've had notes because we've always been mentoring people. But when we, we decided have. to write the book, it's been a couple had, years. It's been actually several years ago we said we was going to write it. But, and I have like this one book I cannot find where I had like pages and Tons pages of, of notes. notes. And it was like when it came time that we were going to do it, I could not find the book. So I was like so upset because it's like I had wrote down things, you know, because how the, how the years go, you can't keep up with. It's like you kind of lose track for a minute of Probably certain little things. nuggets that you had right. in so, mind. But I, I mean, but it, I just think it's been a wonderful journey uh, being with David and sharing these years with him of, again, of love, fun and laughter and you faith. Know, faith. All of them. Yes. So I've been listening to the album all week and I've been enjoying it truly. One song that stood out was your song, I Love You. Wow. You, you talked about having something to share with Tamala that you thought could break her. Can't forget the day that I sat you Down at the table had to tell you Something so bad that might break you And it tore my heart just to see you Cry out to me, yeah You needed some time to breathe, yeah I remember when you Can't What's forget the, the day that I set you down at the table Had to tell you something so bad that might break you And that comes from one of the chapters in the book called The Knock at the Door And, you know, The Knock at the Door could have changed everything And it almost changed everything uh, It wasn't uh, you know, I found out I had a child by from a previous relationship before we got married. And it wasn't the child that changed everything. It was the situation that almost mm -hmm. changed everything. And, um, you know, at this point, you imagine five years into your marriage and like, oh, by the way, you got another child. She was at this point like, I can't do this. Right. And so, it, you know, her, her exact words were, you own your own with this. Right. You, you, you by did. yourself. I did. And I, you know, and I was just devastated by that. And that's even how the title came about because when she told me that, I just grabbed it and I was like, look, it's us against everything else. I love my kids. I'm gonna take care of them. We're gonna do what we need to do. But at the end of, end of the day, when they're gone, it's gonna be me and you. It's gonna be us against the world. And never knowing that 25 years later, we have it as a title of the book. But, and he sat me down and he was, he, I felt his heart and that he was giving me about the situation and it made me forgive. And you know, sometimes we have to start over, think about it really, you know, and after he gave me the whole layout, I was like good with it. Cause I knew the baby didn't have anything to do with and it. We didn't, like I say, we didn't set out for this to be the title of right. the book. The, the, the title of the book originally was Divorce Is Not An Option. Mm, right. And that, you know, the title kept jumping out at us us against the world. We would read some more of what we were writing, and you know, later on, it's us against the world. It was like, this is the title right here. So that's how we came up with the title as well. Take me back to the moment where you were sitting down with your husband and he was telling you that we have another child. Like, what were some of the first thoughts coming to your mind? My thing is like, where, what I was thinking is, where do I fit in this picture? And I really- I bet your first like, thought was, fool, you crazy. <laughs> well, it was like, I can't, in my mind, it was like, I can't do this. 
I don't want to do this because, again, where am I going to fit in this picture? I'm, I'm going to have to deal with the baby mama drama. And then it wasn't so much the child, but two, you have to think when a baby is five years old, you've missed so much to kind of give a part of yourself and even help raise the baby. Because five years old, they're talking, they're moving, they kind of have their own thoughts Mine in mind. Mine developed, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. So that's where I was at and like frustrated, like, am I gonna be able to deal with, you know, actually more so, it was really like, again, it was the mom. I'm, I'm fumbling right there because really it was just, it really was dealing with another mom. I was mother. like, I was, you know, her, my thing was, you know, how was I going to tell her when she got home? Because I went through a whole bunch of scenarios. Maybe I just won't say nothing. Maybe just do the test, and if it turns out it's not, we're good. But do test, that wouldn't work. You know, maybe I'd come home and tell her, hey, honey, how are you today? Well, how was your day? By the way, we have another baby. That would have been a mess. Yeah, I believe that. I probably would have got shot that day. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a completely different story. It would have been a completely different story. Well, I'm I'm assuming that it didn't take. It wasn't an overnight process for you to no. process all of this information. So, talk to me about that process and how you came to this moment where you wanted to proceed with the marriage. Well, I mean, it it took a few days. It's like it's almost like that subject that that you really don't want to talk about. You know, it's an issue that we have to address and we gotta, you know, figure this thing out. But I was like, I don't want to talk about it. it I can't. It was the elephant in the room. Yes, yeah, it's like, I can't remember the exact amount of time. It wasn't a long period because with David, David is the type of person that's Let's like- Let's address it and move on. Yeah, he got, he, you know, it's like, so are you not, what are you, so you just gonna leave me out there? You just not gonna say anything? So, but it's like, I was really, kind of quiet about it for a second. So, but it took a, it took a little while. And like, I, I'll be like, hey, you see the elephant in the room, let's address it, let's deal with but, it, but, let's talk about it and but, figure out how we're gonna move forward. Right, but once he did sit me down and he was like, Tam, I love you and I love my child and I'm gonna do my responsibility, but it's us against the world. And then, and that really, again, it just took, I took it to heart and it's like I saw again his sincerity and it was like I believe him and I feel like he's not going to leave me hanging and I was haven't left her hanging right so the convincing thing was there and the forgiving the bottom thing is if I was in those shoes would I want somebody to forgive me would I want somebody to walk with me through a process of this because it was a process yeah. because to have to him to get to learn the baby for the other kids to get to learn the sister that they had another sister and to have to deal and talk with the mom and try to figure issue. out how to co-parent yes that was a process all of that was a, a so, real so process. it was and it takes work but the thing is is we all right now a, another reason to do the book is we know a lot of families are blended we're a super blended family and these are issues that a lot of us are dealing with. And we just wanted to share some of our issues with people, first of all, to let them know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And some of the issues that you're dealing with, you're not the only one who's dealing with that issue. Because sometimes we feel like it's so bad that, oh no, ain't nobody, can't yeah, nobody else going through this. Be dealing with. And, and the reason we say we're super blended, because I have a child from a previous relationship. We, uh, right after that, we adopted my niece, mm -hmm. who's 14, who was 14 at the time, and we were 22. Then, you know, we have two together, then we find out, you know, Tiffany 
came along. And so that's how we call ourselves a super blended family. Now with the super with the super blended family or any blended family, no stranger should be able to walk into your house if you all are sitting at the table and see where the blend begins and where the blend ends. So it should be blended seamless. It should be nobody should be able to tell like, oh, I know that's her biological child. Because she's had an instant where her and it wasn't her biological child. You couldn't tell her it's not her child. Though. Right. They were on the elevator, and this lady's like, y'all are just alike. <laughs> not having any clue. And look, <laughs> you see my complexion, and she's, she's David's way. complexion. So, and so we both just looked at each other and just bust out laughing and said, thank you. <laughs> but it's the thing, and you want the kid. You want the children to feel like they're a part and that they're not, oh, I got a different daddy, or I got a different mama. You want them to feel like this is our house. So, even if they are, excuse me, even if they are going back and forth, because sometimes we do have where they go and be with the mom and come and be with you for a while. In that, in, even in that, it's, it's like it's a job and it takes yeah. work and everybody have to work together to make it seamless. And it wasn't about the complexion. It was about their connection, mm -hmm. you know, how they were connected. Well, I see Holly, what you did there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt that. It was about how they were connected to each other and how they interacted with each other. The stranger never knew. She never knew, like, that's not. And they just laughed it off, like, yeah, this is my mom. This is my mom. Yeah, we're mom. That's how it should be. So talk to me about the beginning of your relationship. You all were friends first, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep, home by home, girl, ride or die. <laughs> we started out, uh, my best friend introduced us, and he was singing in a small uh, a group of guys called the Humble Hearts. It was David, we were humble too. Kirk Franklin, Hallelujah. and our pastor, Dara Blair. And she took me to the school because they had a chorus class. They sung, so she was like, y'all sing good, but I know somebody who can sing better. So she brought me there. She was right. I sang for them. <laughs> And you know, time kind of passed, and we just kept running into each other at different events, you know, singing events where they were singing and I was singing. But it's just, and then I actually started singing with the group, and we just start going and going, and um, we start, you know, we start running into to each other a lot, a lot. It was like, hey, aren't you we the same? And the crazy thing is, her best friend, you know, we had the chorus class together, and she. You know, I don't even think Nikki hung out with us that much anymore she after a while. Well, no, not really. She came to hear to us a sing. Few, a few she things. came to hear us sing quite but a bit. We we stopped hanging with the best friend that introduced <laughs> us, and we became friends. And so it just over time, we just grew our friendship. It wasn't about you know trying to grow a relationship as boyfriend and girl, girlfriend. We started growing our relationship as friends. And that's what got us through the test of time. When things started to get a little rough, we remembered we were friends. See the way she looked at me? Yeah. See, like, see her googly eyes? And she looked at me, she looking at right here. See, that boy is mine. Oh I see the way God. she looking at me. She Pamela, won't. how did you know he was the one? Well, I hoped at the time it was more hope that he would be the one. Because I knew that I liked him and one thing that my sister used to always, don't let a guy know that you like them first. Don't tell them you love them first. So, I mean, by us hanging out, you know, singing together and doing you know, all. when we had sex, they kind of told me you liked me. <laughs> well, I mean, but. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and finish me. Oh, my God. <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> um, but I just, maybe this made me lose my train of thought. I'm sorry. 
Say, how did you know I was the one? But we were like, I think after a time and then seeing how he had start kind of protecting me because the guys would always horseplay a lot. And then he would, he would be like, no, don't play with her like that. And then again, we were hanging out even more. So I was like, we have a lot of things in common. And I was like, I can like him. This could be, we could be something if, but I wanted to make sure that it's what he wanted. So it wasn't like to after my friend, the same young lady who introduced us, kind of on down the line, was like, you know this girl like you. That ain't what she said. Uh -oh. But she was kind of, she was talking, she was cursing at it. Okay. She said, you know cuss word, curse word. <laughs> that's this girl, cuss word, curse word, she like was, your cuss word, oh cuss word. Oh my goodness. She, okay. See? I think she How'd you it. receive that cuss word, cuss word? <laughs> I said, look, I'm trying to play like this. <laughs> really? She like me? You really like me like that? Just play. You're not trying to play it. You know. Girl, I didn't know you really like me like that. She said, she was but like, see, she was, even that, she's a little shy. She be with me, she didn't kind of mess it up a little bit. But she was like, she you, messed it up, or you, you messed it up? Well, you messed up getting with me. And she said, <laughs> she was like this. Yeah, I like you. Wow, oh, come on. Why man. you just gonna be like gangsters? I, I like, say, you say, know I've been liking you all these I years. Say, I say, yeah, you know, you know, you know, I liked you. Is what I said. I didn't know. Did you really? You really didn't know? No, I didn't. I was about to say. But she didn't tell me. He had, he had, you know, little idea. But how, how I had a little, like the same. I had a little but idea. But you hadn't told me. How would I know? You hadn't told me either. So mm. how would I know? Mm. Mm. That's the question. Mm -hmm. Great words of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> but now you guys are more transparent and you communicate. Yes. A lot clearer now. Yes. Oh, I'm always like in your he, face. Yeah, he's, tell you. he's over communicating. Yeah, I'm always in your face. You're going to know. You're going to know today, not tomorrow. You're going to know whether we agree or disagree. Would you say, what would you say has been your biggest obstacle? Was it learning about the child five years into the marriage or something else? Uh, I think, I, I, think that was it. I mean, that was the biggest one, yes. But I think, I would say my next obstacle with us is on my behalf, it's like really being a listener. It's kind of listening to what's being said versus I know one kind of listening. I know one that's bigger than that. What? Like, help, like when she decided, okay, I think I want to lose weight. Anything she says automatically becomes my obsession. So she has to be careful what she said when she come out of her mouth because now it becomes a fix it task for me. Mm -hmm. And so she decided, I want to lose weight. So now that became like, okay, I got to help you lose weight. And I'm telling anyway. him, but it's like me telling him, not realizing that it's like you are saying, I'm almost like I'm passing the baton to him. Yeah. But I wasn't really, I was just saying it to him. I wasn't necessarily passing him the baton. She can't just say anything like, okay, I think I want a new house. Boom, let's go figure it out. Oh, I think I want, no. If you tell me, I want to lose weight. Okay, research on losing weight. He takes research on this, research, I mean, anything. So in terms of obstacles, what is the number one key in overcoming them? Communication. You have to communicate to solve problems. You have to communicate to get an understanding. I, you know, I don't know unless you tell me what you need from me. And vice versa. Because in the beginning, I tried to read her mind. That didn't work. Because she would tell me, oh, you think you can read my mind? Could yeah. I? No, you couldn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> but she would tell me, like, you, you got, you know, you 
think you can read my mind, so I just start asking, what do you need? How do you need it? What do you need me to do? Communication. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. The same answer for you? Ditto. Yeah. Ditto. That's a ditto. That's a ditto. <laughs> because, I mean, a person can't read your mind, so you have to tell them, I mean, what I need from you. Because I would say one instance, uh, we had, like, this argument, and he kind of shut down because David would get, could get upset, and he won't talk for, like, a day or so and me I'm like I'm so used to us talking and you know even though we've had up arguments but we laugh more than we have arguments it, it, everything is fine. you can't even count the laughter with the arguments I mean laughter wins over so we had had this argument and it's like he was like really quiet and I was like man this is really bugging me and you know some time went on and we, you know how you have to calm down the cooling process. After we calmed down, I was like, look, you can get upset with me, but you can't not just talk. But he never knew that it bothered me that bad until it's like I finally got my words. Because it took me a while in, you know, over the years to kind of find the words. And even to this day, because I'm really not a talker like, like he is. And, and I'm really not a singer like she is. So I just, <laughs> so I'm like, I just need you to talk to me and not just be, it's not that you have to have a whole conversation, a whole bunch of words, but just don't let me, I can say something to him and he'll just look at me. She came in one day and say, we need to talk. talk. I said, okay, go ahead and talk. Hmm. I mean, what is that to say? And you just had an argument. <laughs> go ahead and talk. And once I realized that, if, if. That burnt me up so bad. It's like if I did have a uh, Superman eyes with you, you know, burnt me? I would have burnt you that day. <laughs> but if you're not willing to do, like after somebody tells you what it is, and you're not willing to do it, then there's a bigger problem. Because right. I was willing to like, okay, that really bugged you. He that like, really bothered Because he was like, I didn't know that that bothered I didn't, you. I, didn't, I was like, yeah, it took me a minute to figure this out, but that is one thing that I don't want to happen. Am I thinking I was, and even going to be angry at each other. My thinking I was just doing it, you know, just shut it down because I know my tongue is quick, my lips are fast, and I can blast you. So I just said, let me just be quiet. But I didn't know that that bugged her. Yeah. Once I realized that, I was like, okay. You know, I at least say something. You good? I was talking at least. You all right? You good? <laughs> but to me, that beat silence. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was really fulfilling for me. But I still like to go back and really get an understanding. Pretty much, I tried to on what, what we argued about. Or what, you know, so I just, so I'll know next time. Not to, but it's still marriage is work. It is definitely. And it's just, and it's just like your job, you know. You work well, at it. It's harder to be, than your job. It really, but it's you work. But a lot of people put more times into their job to become do. better than you do your marriage. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to put the work in, the time in to get better. And some things you just don't learn overnight. I mean, when it comes to computers, most of us are not whizzes to just figure out everything about it. But they'll, they'll put in the research, you know, and a lot of people are willing to put in the work, the sacrifice and everything to get that head position at job, get that corner office at the job, Ooh. make sure you got it. But are you willing to put that same time, sacrifice and effort into make your your marriage, marriage the best, the best that you can make? Mm -hmm. it? Are you, that's you know, do you like want to be the greatest I at marriage? I, I want to be the greatest. That's the that's that just came today. That's I know, good. I, yeah. I, we I, need I to, work like that. Need to that. That's not even in the book. It's mm. not. Is it? Girl, that was for free. You like that? You like the <laughs> that was a free card. That's when you tell me something like that to get like this. Get a little closer. 
Is that your sexy face? That's my sexy face. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what was the most difficult chapter to write in the book? Uh, I I don't know if it was a knock at the door because it made you like relive that. Um, I can tell you this. There were some chapters that we, while we were writing the book, we had to go back. And communication and, was one of them, mm-hmm. or, you know, the, and, well, it really wasn't the vows, but I would say the communication. Yeah. Well, what I was saying is we had to go back and revisit them for ourselves. Because you get in one of those heated discussions, you got to go and eat your own words. Commitment. Like, yeah. The commitment. Uh-huh. It's like, hmm. Because we had had a little blow up. Doing this book, we had quite a few blow ups. Yeah, and it was weird. And I really think it was. The Lord just give, giving us a refresher. Lord and course. the enemy just wanting us to really quit yeah. and not even do it because right. I feel like it was going to help. So. I feel like it was a refresher course for us for times like this when we need to, you know, give, like, okay, what did you guys think about? What did you do about the book? I think that forced us to sit down and revisit a lot of that stuff. Like, revisit the vows. That's something we talk about in the book, yeah. is revisiting the vows and see the commitment that you made. Because yeah, a lot of times like, we forget. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know if I want to be here through sickness and health. You sick right now. I might just out of God. I want to leave. Richer for poor. Just, yeah. uh, you know. Pack for, up and go. Yeah. Better for worse. Better is great. Like you've worked yeah. to get that corner office, that corner job, that office that you can become when, the CEO. But worse is when he gets dead on that nerve or do that thing to keep aggravating you. Now, worse is when he get laid off and ain't no more money to oh, take care of true. everything. Yeah, that's true. That's, that takes you to richer or for poor. Are you, are you good with that? You know, did you make a commitment to death do us part or to situations, you know, get better than you want them to be? We made a decision that divorce it's not an, not won't an be an option for us. Not. Did you all see divorce in your families when you were younger or friends who were, or who were around you? I seen more divorce than I seen people staying together. For me, I know I did. Well, I seen a few. I seen a few. And the, my mom's third husband, she divorced. But it was because it was more mental abuse. So she should have been gone. It was abuse. She stayed, long, she stayed too long, if you ask if you ask me, but she's just such a peacemaker that she thought that she could make it better, that she would, I guess, ride the wave, but the wave got too big. I will tell you, if you any any kind of, that's what we tell you, divorce is not an option for us, but if it's an abusive situation, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I mean, because that can bring sickness upon your body and all type of things, it's just. You'd rather just rub down, so just, this is, I'm not abusing you. No, I'm just, you feel like you like that? Are you you tired? No. <laughs> now let's go back to the album. I noticed that this was a family project. Some of your children were a part of it. Yes. Talk about that. Our son was the executive producer. He pulled together the producer and the writing team for us. And then my daughter Tia helped out a lot. Even she was in our stu- coach in the studio to kind of keep us vocally <laughs> relevant. Yes, because you know this is not a gospel album. This is like R&B. It's righteous and blessed. Yeah. That's yeah. our R&B. <laughs> so, I mean, she was like, Mom, say the phrase like this, because it was different. You know, singing these songs were different for me than all the other projects that I've ever done, because, you know, gospel is a lot harder. I mean, even though I have some ballads, but 
this is like a was a total. When you mean harder, swing. you mean you sing. Sing harder. harder. Yeah, you. Oh. Yeah, it's just like a push that you don't have to do in arm. This you gotta have swag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have I didn't have that swag, so they had to help me get the swag. You got it. You got all the sauce now. <laughs> so they had to help me with it. But I'm. But this it was really a lot of fun to even as the mother to be working with this um, under the umbrella of like with, uh, with my husband and then my kids, us doing this together as a unit. It was like a great experience for all of us to, cause normally when I'm going to the studio, it's me, one of the, my kids, cause they assist me. And then I have other people in the studio, but to go, he come and he come. <laughs> but then some days if he didn't come, it was me and other people. So it's like, for the most part, all of us was there every time. And they were telling us what to do. Mm. And um, we would laugh like, like they telling us what to mm? get somewhere and sit down. <laughs> but they were just trying to make sure that we weren't old people. Even our trying son. to sound like uh, R and B up to date young people. Because mm. we didn't we didn't set out to like okay we're gonna make an R and B album. No. We set out to do good love music. We set out to do love music that yes. you could sit with your your spouse. Yes. And sit right there and practice making babies or make babies if you want but to. But it's even clean enough for the kids to listen to. Because our grandkids, they're actually, everybody's kind of arguing over. No, I want to listen to this song. So it's like, for it to be able to touch them and they're like kids, like babies, 12 and under. So it's just amazing. What? And I think it's something for everybody. Our grandkids sent us a video the other day of them singing I Love You. It was hilarious. The look on the can't forget the thing that I <laughs> down on the table. It was oh, fashion. Oh, it was hilarious, and it was like wow. That that kind of stuff it makes you go like, they get it, they get it. But that's what we're trying to rip and show them, and we have the core is family too. You know, our basis found our basis, our faith, but then family. And that you know, that's what we're trying to show them that family is all you have, mm -hmm. and to show them that you can be together with and love your spouse. You can be together and happy, and not ha tolerating each other. Right. You can be celebrating a happy each home. I like that. What I do like about the album is that it's current, but y'all not trying to be too young or out of your element. Like you said, it's really something for everybody to experience and listen to. And I like the multiple perspectives. You have songs where it's just you and you have songs where Tamala is just singing. Why was that important to you? Well, because to be able to sing to him, and the one song on there is called Mason Jar. It talks about me, I'm talking about myself when I was young, like middle school, teenager, when I flashback on these years that, you know, me being a thick girl my whole life, I thought I would never find love. But to finally find love that I can cherish and I can preserve like a, in a mason jar, how you would do in a mason jar. It's like, I got this love that I can just hold on to. And this, to be able to look at him and sing this song and think of him and sing to him to let him know this is how I feel, that I can cherish this in my heart for the rest of my life. And mine's knowing that song, coming from that song and knowing that, you know, coming up, she felt like <laughs> as a plus size woman, she would never find anybody and guys only wanted to be with her in the shadow and, you know, not take her on a date. I wanted the song Still Do was my song recommitting to her. Like, look, girl, I'm sorry that you ever felt that way. Right, that but, I had to go through that. Yeah, so my commitment to you is I want you to know that I still do. Everything else, 
forsaking all others, I still do. Even after 30 years. It's I like, still do, I'm girl. thinking like when we're when he was singing it, it's like it's been 30 years. And, and you're still. still I want to take my shirt off right now. And just like, like do R&B. That's how they do in R&B, don't they? Yeah, they do. They, I've they, seen they, it. Yeah, I've seen it. I'll take my shirt. I should have did my interview with no shirt on. Oh, my God. That's, that's, is that real R&B? It, it is, but you don't have to do that. Okay. I'm just trying to You know, to the song right. communicates everything it's supposed to. I'm just to. trying what to do song? what it takes to do the songs. Y'all tell me. You already doing what it okay, takes. Okay, all right. Chloe, you're doing great. You're doing great. When you, in your experience, what's been the main thing that kind of disrupts relationships and marriages? Lose focus. That they, they no longer becomes a priority. See, because when she's my priority, like I told you, whenever she says something or has a need, most of the time I can hone in on it. But when I stop making her a priority and everything else around me becomes a priority, then we lose focus on each other. And before you know it, something has slipped in between us. Maybe not even, a lot of people think, uh, you know, having a, another, having an affair is the only thing. But your job can become your, your affair. Your hobby or your, your outings or want to do other stuff can become your affair. And we lose focus on each other. This is my focus. I, I just like her. Like, like, like you, you know, like you, you can love somebody and not be in love with them. I like this girl. Yeah. Girl, you make me, you tearing up? Did I make you tear up? <laughs> girl, I'm so good. <laughs> now, for the, for the singles in the house, like myself, what kind of advice would you give singles who are still searching for their partners? Well, for ladies, I would say make yourself ready and not actually search. But while you're making yourself ready, actually allow the guy to find you. And not, once you do find somebody that you're interested in, don't throw all your cards out. The thing is, is we, I've seen, even me, I can go back even 30 years, 32 years ago, that we allow our standards to be dropped. We have to still keep a standard about ourselves if we want to find that it's like a guy want a woman really with some standards. Every, you know, it's not all ratchetness that they want. I mean, you may want to be ratchet with him once you get married and y'all in the bedroom. Or oh yeah, I could be ratchet with him. I let him know. Amen. I want you pull it, pull my, you know, but I'm just saying. But it's just the point that we have to keep our standards up. As a, as a young woman, this is what I would, because so many things are happening and we're selling ourselves short. And you have to remember, you're the favor. Yes. Like I understand none of this would be possible had it not been for her favor once we said, I do. I understand that everything is under that umbrella of favor. You know, the success of our careers, the success of our marriage, everything falls under the umbrella of me finding her and, and her becoming my us, favor. And it comes from us, the woman. He that finds a wife finds favor. Finds a good thing and obtains favor with the God. Lord. Yeah, I got some favor. She didn't do and bad. She didn't good, do bad herself. And we're a good thing. We're yeah. just not some good thing. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. Have a night of soulful nostalgia at State Farm Arena on Friday, December 7th as Boys to Men and En Vogue take the stage at the newly refurbished downtown venue. This bill offers the perfect blend of sweetness and sass. Boys to Men are the kings of the sentimental R&B ballad and En Vogue's biggest hits are finger pop and dance floor filling fun. Of course, both acts can mix it up, tempo and attitude wise, but End of the Road and My Lovin' You're Never Gonna Get It practically define these groups. The Baltimore-born Drew Hill, 
led by Cisco, completes the lineup on this show being billed as R&B Forever. Catch Boys to Men, In Vogue, and Drew Hill at State Farm Arena on Friday, December 7th. Tickets are $59.50 to $149.50, and you can grab those and get more info at statefarmarena.com. City Springs Theatre Company inaugurated the new Sandy Springs Performing Arts Center in September with its debut production, 42nd Street. The company returns with its first holiday show, Elf the Musical, in December. Based on the popular Will Ferrell film, the musical stars Tony Award winner and City Springs Associate Artistic Director Shuler Hensley as Buddy, the human raised by elves who awkwardly returns to contemporary New York City. The film has become a holiday tradition for many, and this production offers a whole new way to experience this sweet Yuletide tale. Elf the Musical opens on December 7th and continues through December 16th at the Sandy Springs Performing Arts Center. Tickets are $30 to $62 and are available at CitySpringsTheater.com. With a cast of more than 20 vocalists and dancers, Black Nativity, a gospel Christmas musical experience, expands poet Langston Hughes' take on the nativity with African-style costumes, choreography by Don Axum, and soaring arrangements of such Christmas carols as What Child Is This? and Oh Holy Night. The show was originally produced in 1961 and tells the familiar biblical Christmas tale from an African-American perspective. Following the Atlanta run of the show, they'll be taking it on the road to Augusta on December 15th and to Macon on December 22nd. Black Nativity is on stage at Georgia Tech's First Center for the Arts from November 30th through December 9th. Tickets are $27 to $52, and you can find those along with info about the Augusta and Macon dates at blacknativityatlanta.com. The Atlanta Symphony Orchestra continues a tradition started by the beloved music director Robert Shaw nearly 50 years ago. The annual Christmas with the ASO concert has become a staple of the season for many Atlanta families. The orchestra and chorus, along with special guests, the Gwinnett Young Singers and the Morehouse College Glee Club, will perform beloved Christmas carols and hymns to celebrate the season. The concerts happen at 3 and 8 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday, December 8th and 9th. Tickets for Christmas with the ASO are $20 to $79, and the performances are at Symphony Hall in the Woodruff Arts Center on Peachtree Street in Midtown. Get tickets and all the details at atlantasymphony.org. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Jasmine Ellis. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.